Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Ted Silva. Ted, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. The good thing was that I was going to meet with you today and hear your story because I've known you went to Harvard, Yep. right? And so we were in the real estate development program together, stayed in touch over the years, which was amazing. And you always impressed me so much, just like how humble you were. Meanwhile, you were doing all these crazy, amazing things in your world. And I was like, that's such a rock star. And he comes from such humble beginnings. It's like the coolest guy. So I'm honored to have you here today, first and foremost. Thank you. And now, I mean, I've heard a little bit of your story as we've met and talked and all that stuff. But what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, Ted? Well, I think the title of your podcast, The Underdog, does describe it because I definitely come from being an underdog. A lot of people are uh, born into it. My parents are immigrants. They, so I grew up in an immigrant family, in a multi-family house, mm-hmm. parents working all the time. So it wasn't like I had like the lap of luxury growing up, but I learned hard work. I saw hard work. I saw the hard work. I saw it when my, you know, back then, geez, a long time ago, you know, my parents would buy, they, they, my dad would like take his extra money, my mom dad take extra money and buy a multifamily house um, for an investment. But it wasn't like hire contractors, hire, no, 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 it's like you do it yourself. So it was like my parents were there painting. Yeah. I'm on the floor playing with my toys while they're painting <laughs> the rooms, okay? And then as I got older, because it's just what you did, you know, you don't yeah. hire, you couldn't afford to hire people. Yeah. At least we couldn't. So it was all done ourselves. My parents did it all. And then as I got older, I was the guy with the paintbrush, painting the trims, rolling the walls, you know what I mean? And as I got older, you know, I'm cleaning out the basements, the tenants with trash, you know what I'm saying, with stuff. And, you know, then I got my license and I'm going there on my, my after school job was working on my, on properties, you know, whether it was cleaning a yard, cleaning the basement, painting the front hallway, painting an apartment. That's what I did on weekends and, you know, in after school. Dad would always say to me, you know, Ted, some people own stores. This is our business. It's like, okay. Cause I never understood like, why am I doing all this work when my friends are playing like football? You know what I mean? Like they're watching TV, playing video games. And this is our business, what we do. And it was a great lesson because it taught me hard work from a young age. But I took that hard work ethic with me throughout the years that even when I had jobs, uh, one of my first jobs was delivering pizzas. Which I know you can Sound familiar? <laughs> Sound familiar? Oh and my God. My boss, oh my God, Louis, would tell me, Ted, you're the best delivery person we have. And I say that humbly because when there were no deliveries, I was waiting for a delivery to come through or that's still in the oven being made. I wouldn't just sit there twiddling my thumbs. I'd go to his cooler and I would literally organize all of his bottles of sodas and waters and stuff, okay? with the labels facing forward, nice and neat. Because I'd like to see everything nice and neat. I'd go in there and he'd say, Ted, no one else does this. It's this work ethic inside of me. Like, I just did it. And I get paid extra to do it. He never told me to do it. He never tipped me to do it. I just saw it. You know, I'm sitting here. I have 20, 15, 20 minutes to kill before the next delivery comes out. So I would just look around and say, that 
cooler would look a lot better if every bottle's label faced forward. So I would do that kind of stuff. And, and I believe that work ethic at a young age, here I am, I'm like 16 and a half in my license, my first like job outside of cleaning basements and yards and painting and stuff. I'm doing that. And then I took that forward. Every job I had, I was the best job I could. That when I got into my current businesses, I took that work ethic and just like did the best I could to be the best I could. You know, and again, it's being the underdog. Got to work harder and work smarter. In 2003, can't believe it's been almost 20 years when I had this job, I was working at an investment company, wearing a headset, taking a bunch of phone calls, making a bunch of phone calls studying to take all these licenses to be a broker. And it was a summertime. I had to study for my series seven to be a stockbroker. And I didn't even care about being a stockbroker. It wasn't my passion at all. And honestly, I didn't know what my passion was yet, but I knew it wasn't that. It was a paycheck. It was a good paycheck. I had a brother at the company making great money. So I knew what kind of money was ahead of me if I stayed with the company. So I spent you know a few weeks in the summer studying for my series seven to be a stockbroker. I just wasn't happy. Wasn't happy at all. I'm like, this is not what I want to do, but I had to do because it, it was my job. And I had to take this test because it was my job required. Just wasn't happy. If you can relate with that, I've been there. I know what it's like. So I started doing some like soul searching, writing in my notebook, being like, what do I do? What do I like doing? Okay. And I had this idea, like, you know what? And I realized I like real estate. I love real estate because like in my free time, I wasn't reading about stocks. I was reading about real estate. You know, I was going back then, the local paper was uh, the Boston Globe. And I'd go to like boston.com and I'd look at houses for sale, not just houses, investment properties for sale, multi-fields for sale. That was my interest. So I started looking in there, what's for sale. I spent my weekends going to open houses, looking at houses for sale. So that's what I would, while I had this investment job that I was getting paid great money for, Going for my Series 7 to be a stockbroker, okay? That was not where my passion was. My free time was spent on real estate. Like I said, going to websites, looking at house for sale. That one's got three families. They want X amount of money. This is the rent roll. These are the expenses. Does it make money? What if I go in there and do what my parents taught me and fix it up a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Give it a paint job. Sand the floors. Put a new kitchen cabinets, new countertop. Rehab the bathroom. Can I get more money? So that kind of stuff is what I was doing. So I had this epiphany one day, just came out of nowhere like, Ted, get into real estate. I had a law degree that I wasn't using. Like I said, I was an investment company. So you know what? Be a real estate lawyer. That opened the door for me in my mind to start looking down that path and exploring to say, maybe I'll be a real estate lawyer. So I took some, right? I told yeah. the story. Oh yeah. I, I told you the story. I'm going to ask you so many questions. You go right ahead. You, <laughs> you want to ask me now? <laughs> no, you no. Ask me keep, now? Keep, keep rolling. Keep rolling. So. I got this job at a real estate law firm right where I wanted to be. It was in Davis Square, Somerville. I got this job. I'm a real estate lawyer. I fell in love. Like the first week there, maybe my buddy called me up. Ted, how do you like it? I'm like, I love this job. I love it. I had never done it before. Okay. But I loved it. He was paying me less than what I was making at my investment company where I was working. He was paying me less, but it didn't matter. I loved it so much that I would have paid him to work there. That's how much I loved it. I started, he was like a small operation, a one-man lawyer. He had one paralegal, one secretary, and then he hires me. And I'm gung-ho. I go in there, 
the files he has, like they didn't close for like months because they had title issues, they didn't pay up. They needed someone to sit down and do the work, but he didn't have someone to sit down and do the work mm -hmm. because he wasn't a real estate specialist. So I got in there, did the work, got him closed right away that the bank called my boss and said, you better keep that guy, all right? And the bank started sending us more deals all of a sudden. Like now, you know, he went from doing a couple of real estate deals a month to a lot of them because like he had me and the banks wanted to work. I was getting it done. I was getting it done. I say that humbly, okay, but I just loved it. It's like I go in there my weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I had my office. I went to a store called BJ's or it's like, a, it's like a Costco. It's called BJ's. I bought a folding table. I put it along the wall of my office and I set up like stations. I was a one-man operation, but I did like, you know, pre-closing, closing, post-closing, post you know what I mean? Love it. Title issues. I started making my own business without realizing I was creating my own business. What I got lucky, which I'm very lucky for, is that I had to learn it and do it all from scratch. Every single aspect of a real estate law firm, real estate title company, I had to do from scratch because I didn't walk into a firm where I did it all, okay? I was the firm within a firm, okay? Well, one man law firm, then it's me doing the real estate. So I had to learn it all and do it all. I got really good at it. Again, I'm not being braggy about that, being humbly. I got good. We started cranking them out, okay? He was doing a couple a month. This thing, I'm doing 30 a month. I'm driving around doing closings. This is crazy. And then, never forget this. I have a registered trademark that only I can use in the whole country. It's that we close anywhere at any time, guaranteed. And let me tell you how that started. I had a closing with a new mom. She was home with the baby. Her husband worked all day. I'm on the phone with her because back then, you know, 2003, to do a closing, a refinance or a purchase, you went to the lawyer's office between the hours of nine to four, nine to five, okay? Mm -hmm. Wherever they were, yep. you have to go find parking, take time off from work, take a day off of work, call in sick to work, whatever you have to do, to go there and sign the paperwork. It was an event, a big event. It took a lot of your time, okay? So I told the new mom, I said, what if I come to your house after work and sign when your husband gets home? That way you don't have to leave with the baby. She's like, you'll do that? I'm like, yeah, because no one else did that at the time. Mm -hmm. And no one gave me the idea. I was just like, convenience, customer service, yes. okay? I'll go to your house. So I go there. She's so happy. She signs. Her husband gets home. He signs. I leave. I'm like, that was really cool. You know, I go back next day to work. I process the paperwork. I think nothing of it. About a week later, I had a dentist in Arlington, Mass. Same thing. Husband and wife worked together. He was a dentist. She was the office manager. They worked all day in like a small dental practice. It's time consuming. Try to make a time. And I said, do you guys take a lunch break? I said, what if I come during your lunch break? They're like, you'll come here. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to your office during your lunch break. And you can sign everything. They're like, wow, okay, great. I go there. They sign. They're so appreciative. And the light bulb went off for the first time. I come back and I tell my boss, I got it. I got it. If we travel to the customer, we'll get more business. Mm -hmm. My old boss was a great guy, but he was your old school lawyer. And I'm not trying to put anyone down, okay? But he looked at me and said, Ted, a traveling lawyer, if you travel, you will cheapen a profession. That's how he said it to me. Me going to people's homes during their lunch break, after hours, cheapens the legal profession. Again, I come from a very humble beginning that me going to someone's home to have them sign paperwork at the kitchen table or 
in the dental practice on their desk during the lunch break is not beneath me at all. I will travel anywhere at any time. That's what I'll do for the customer. There was no such thing as like, come to my office from nine to four. That cheapest profession. And I'm not putting the guy down. Great guy. Very successful, okay? But where I come from, that does not cheapen my profession at all. That's called customer service. So I trademarked, we close anywhere, anytime. I opened the loss of Ted Silva LLC and took off. I sent a letter to every single realtor in town, like a typewritten letter, nothing fancy, no letterhead, nothing saying, my name's Ted Silva. I'm a new real estate lawyer in town. I would appreciate your business with a business card. Just something very simple like that. And I mailed to every realtor in town, calls started coming in. I remember the first big decision I had to make was I was so busy. I had to hire someone. I was afraid to hire someone, okay? I come from immigrant parents, yes. all right? Very conservative. Don't take too much risk. My dad's saying, Ted, don't hire anyone. If you hire someone, you're going to be working to pay their salary, okay? So I had that going against me, okay? Because like, yeah. you know, again, like I didn't grow up in a family with like huge businesses, legal practices. Like this is, I'm starting off, like all I, I have my work ethic, but starting a business, I'm like, what do I do here, Okay. I hired that paralegal, bam, we took off. I hired a lawyer, we took off. You're getting busier and busier and busier, okay? And fast forward, I ended up meeting, you know, PM at Harvard because like, I needed help. Like I'm not, I started a business without meaning to start a business, okay? I went into it with a passion, okay? Because I really loved it. It took off. So I reached out for help and went to a Harvard program for people like me that have businesses that need a little bit of help. So this program was called OPM. It's for owners, presence managers, people that own businesses or they run businesses, okay? They want a little bit of help from Harvard Minds. Yeah. And that's what I did. And that was phenomenal. I went there. They taught me so much stuff. You listening to this podcast might know how to read P&Ls and Excel spreadsheets. Honestly, I'm humble. I can admit I didn't. All I know is that every month I had the money coming in. At the end of the year, my, my CPA would tell me, this is how much money you made last year, Ted. I, I, that's, that's honestly, <laughs> you can laugh. Yeah, that, that, no, that's the same way. I'll that's what it came way. down to, okay? Yeah, like, yeah. oh, April. Oh, okay, I made X last year. Great. I pay my taxes, move on. How do I, you know, once a year, how do I do? All right. And then you get to a point, you realize, no, 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 no. You, you need monthly P&Ls. You got to know how much you made last month. You can like keep a, a pulse on the business. Are you profitable? You're not profitable. Where are you, are you losing money? You're making money. So you know. So now, now it's completely different. Now it's like a month-to-month basis. I know end of each month how we did so that I can, you know, it's not like once a year. It's once a month. So I know how we did so I can make tweaks here and there. Do I need to hire more people? You know, like, what do I need? So I've said a lot. <laughs> All right. That's Ted in a nutshell. All right. The company changed because I started hiring. I probably had like 20 employees and I realized the loss of the Ted Silva LLC sounds like a one person operation, which it was. That's how I started one person operation. Okay. So I changed the name to Quicksilver Title LLC and Silva Law. So we started Quicksilver, Silva Law, and it grew from there because now we're national. We do closings in all 50 states. And how did that happen? Again, just like people started telling me, hey, Ted, I have a client in Ohio. They're buying a house. Can you help them? I'm not going to say no. Okay. I figure it out. How do I do title work in Ohio? Bam. Ted, I got a client with a second home in Florida. Can you help them? Sure. I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured it out. I got licensed in Florida and we did close in Florida. 
So from, you know, this all started happening. So this thing you know, we're doing it all over the country. Oh, amazing. He's such a rock star. So I'm going to reel it back a little Please bit do. because Please I think do. it's amazing. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Great question. The first time that question was asked to me was in fifth grade. My dad was a realtor, like a lot of kids, you know, I want to be like my dad. So when they asked, me, what do you want to be when you get older? You know, people were saying fireman, policeman, you know, typical fifth grader stuff. I said, I want to be a real estate agent like my dad. And that's what I said. So that was my first time someone asked me in the fifth grade. That was my honest answer. Okay. And senior high school, I got licensed to become a realtor. You have to be 18 to take the test. Yep. But you can be any age to take the course. So I took the course when I was 17. The week I turned 18, I turned 18 on uh, it's April 12th. It's middle of April. Okay. In Massachusetts, there's a uh, school vacation week. It's always the middle of April. We do it around that time. It happened to be school vacation week that I turned 18. All right. Senior high school. My friends went to Florida. They took a road trip to Florida, a car full of boys, a car full of girls. They went to Florida to someone's grandma's house to spend vacation down there. You know, senior year of high school. Okay. I stayed behind to take my real estate test. And I remember I woke up, went to the test. I got my results a few weeks later. I passed that test. So my job through college where, you know, a lot of people were doing part-time jobs at the mall, whatever they were doing. Okay. My part-time job through college in law school was uh, at a real estate office. So that's what, you know, a desk job, wearing a shirt. And I didn't know what I mean, wearing a shirt and tie. Okay. I don't know how anyone took me seriously, but they did. And I was making my first summer, and again, being humbly, I mean, first summer I made, I think 7,000 bucks. Okay. Wow. Now at 18 years old, going into your freshman <laughs> year of college. Okay. To have like seven or eight grand cash in the bank because it's all 1099 money don't forget i was like oh my goodness it was amazing because i never would have made that kind of money delivering pizzas for the summer or work at the mall for the summer okay but i, I think i rented apartments i may have sold a condo that summer so it was it, it paid off immediately so that's what i went through when i got older and then it followed my dad's footsteps and then it changed when i saw the oj simpson trial again now i'm dating myself in age okay <laughs> when I saw the old Simpson trial, I said, you know what? I want to be criminal defense lawyer. I want to be one of the big shots in Hollywood, you know, defending the big clients. Okay. Cause I thought it was all glamour. I thought it was all, you know, fantastic stuff. So I want to be a criminal defense lawyer. That was my goal to law school. My first summer after my first year of law school, I got an internship at a local courthouse. And that's when I got exposure for the first time ever to the criminal justice system. And I realized immediately that it's not all glamour. It was honestly, it's pretty sad. It's drugs, it's alcohol, and domestic violence. That was the majority of the cases in the criminal justice system. I was exposed to that summer. I'm like, I can't do this. This is not what I want to do. So, you know what I mean? So I went from being a real estate agent like my dad to being a criminal defense lawyer. I got exposure to it as an intern at a courthouse. Not for me. That answers yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see how it shifts throughout the years, but no yeah. matter what, where you started with, which was the real estate, is where you ended up. We were ended up. So cool. Like, it's, I always ask that question because it always reflects some way, somehow where you are now. Mm -hmm. And then when you see the connects now, you're like, oh, my God. Right. They don't even realize, you know, how much your early childhood plays a role. Because they say, like, in the first seven years of life, is you're in theta state. 
that's why kids are so creative and amazing and all of that. And they're so like, they don't care what goes on in the world, right? Yep. Like they just, you know, they absorb and they're creative and all that, but they pick up so much during that time. That's true. So it's interesting during that time, you were saying like your parents, you remember uh -huh. your dad, like painting and doing all of these things. Like, and now it, it almost has followed you. It went full circle. Cause full like circle. I, I tried to criminal wasn't for me. I got into the finance world. Wasn't for me. And what was really for me was what I grew up with was real estate. That's what was ingrained inside of me was the real estate. That. And you're right. So in full circle, I got back into the real estate and I'll never do anything else. And, and I'm very blessed because people say all the time, you know, if you, if you love what you do, you never work another day yes. in your life. And do I love what I do? I love what I do. And I mean it. Do I love real estate? I love real estate. People who know me personally know that when it comes to real estate topics, I, I could talk and talk and talk all day, all night We're long. I just love it so that. much. It's, it's, it's just fun. You know what I mean? Now, you want to talk about investment properties and multifamilies? That's where I really love talking. It's so much fun. So much fun. So, I, yeah, You're obsessed. You're oh, obsessed. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm obsessed. Okay. <laughs> I am. I really am. Hey, it's fun. It's fun. Ted and I share the same yeah. passion for real estate and entrepreneurship and all of that. But you mentioned that, you know, your parents were immigrants as well. And so, so yeah. it's the same for me. Yeah. And I grew up and I was delivering pizzas as well. And mm -hmm. I would also do the same thing you did, which I would fix the cans. Like I would always yes. find something to do, even though like I was waiting for a delivery to come in. I'd answer right. the phone. I'd do this. I'd do that. So it's very, very interesting. Our beginnings are like very parallel. Like, and almost exactly the same, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said about this hustle. And I always say this. I'm like, there's certain things you can't learn in school. True. Like, you just can't. There's this element of hustle and work ethic that immigrant children have watching their parents. That was my thing. Like, when I get asked what's my biggest motivation, how can I not be somebody or want to be somebody successful when my parents dropped everything right. to come here and build a life with no family, didn't know how to speak English, you know, mm -hmm. no job security, none of the like they're up against the grain. Right. And then here they are coming here trying to build a better life for us. Right. Right. And it's like that level of motivation is a whole nother level. And so going back to you and, and your motivation in your early years, what was your biggest motivation at, at that time? Watching the hustle. It came from inside. Like you were saying, like you can't, yeah. you, you can't, this doesn't come from school. This comes from within that hustle that you have inside of you. So the motivation, of course, was seeing my parents. You know, my, my dad's first word he learned when he came to America, he tells me all the time, the only word he knew in English was job. That's it. He landed up, he landed in Cambridge, Mass, living in, in, in a multifamily house with an apartment with my mother and, you know, his wife and my older brother was with him. And, and he walked to the factories in the front door with one word he knew in English, job. And he ended up getting a job at a factory, you know, and so was that my motivation? Absolutely. That's the motivation. Okay. That you don't know the language. You, you land a job in this new country. We don't even know the language. Yeah. And you, you know, and you work your tail off, yeah. do multiple jobs, you know, to get ahead. You know, luckily, you know, very luckily, my dad got into real estate, you know, which yeah. is probably why I love it so much because, you know, he got into real estate. He helped a lot of uh, Portuguese immigrants also at the time that were coming to Sutherland, Cambridge area, help them buy homes, sell homes. Okay. So that's what I grew up with. Our topics at the dinner table weren't about sports, you know, am I great at sports? No, I admit it, I stick at sports, okay? Am I good at real estate? Very good, that's what we talked about. We talked about real estate. 
So, you know, even, even like my dad's day is off, like my dad's day is off. It was spent doing stuff around real estate. You know what I mean? Like, let's go do this. Let's go do that. I got a refrigerator to be delivered today. Let's go, gotta go meet the delivery person there. You know what I mean? Like whatever it was, it was always real estate related. So I think seeing that yeah. is, what, is what's inspired me. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just this new element of hustle. Like that just can't, you know, and your humble beginnings, it's like, you, you're not afraid to be like, I'm not beneath, no. you know, which is like a big thing. I mean, because it can be a big ego thing in the, the, the attorney world, I think, you know, so just like all of these things yes. that have shaped like you from said, such a young age, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. Right. The ego you just talked about yeah. is what my old boss, what stopped him from starting a company that took off was that yeah. he wouldn't travel people's houses because it was beneath the legal profession. Ego. ego. Serious ego. ego. Well, I mean, it's it's just fascinating ego. to me. Yeah. That's it. Anyone in any business, it's like you almost stop your growth, stunt it right then and there because you decided I'm too good for this. Yeah. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. 100%. 100%. 100%. Whatever it takes. You got to be willing to do it. Right. Yeah. And what I love is like you were out there hustling, you were grinding, you were doing the pizzas, and then you got into the real estate yep. world and you were like, you were just hustling and you were hungry all the time, mm -hmm. which I found incredible. And so after high school, so walk me through the trajectory of your college into like your early career, because you, you spoke about it and then you, because there's pivots in there that are super important. Sure. Because there's always people listening that, you know, are always interested in, in that side of things and how you pivoted into where you're at. Uh -huh. So walk me through that a little bit. With high school? Yeah. After high school, like, you know, how did you decide to get into finance and then? Sure. Yeah. Like I mentioned after high school, yeah. I went to college and decided I want to be a criminal offense lawyer, you know, and I realized it wasn't for me. So I was kind of lost. What do I do? So I had an older brother working in the finance field. He's like, Ted, come here. You know, with your law degree, you move up pretty quick. So, okay. So I had a law degree as a non-practicing lawyer because I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's just the truth. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I, I figured, you know what? I'll get a high paying job and a great career. And that's what I'll do. But it wasn't satisfying. Just chasing a paycheck, chasing money didn't satisfy me. Maybe it does for other people. Not for me. Following this is what satisfied me. When I realized I want to be a real estate lawyer. Okay. And I want to help a lot of people. When I realized that is when my life changed for me. Because it wasn't chasing money. It wasn't chasing prestige. It was just doing chasing what I want to do, what my passion is in. Mm -hmm. So when I got into that field, I fell in love immediately. I mean, and honestly, that job yeah. I got, that law firm job I got, I was, he paid me less than I was making in the finance company. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I loved it. I'm so glad I said yes to that job. And my ego didn't get in the way saying, oh, it's not enough pay, Ted. It's not enough pay. No, yeah. it wasn't about that at all. It was a learning experience to me. You know what? And, yeah. and the fact that he didn't want to travel to customers, okay, yeah. it helped me because it was my like driver to say, you know what? Start Lost of Ted Silva and, and trademark. We close anywhere, anytime. You know, just mm -hmm. go for it. Truth is, like, whoever watched Super Bowl on Sunday night, Eminem song, yeah. you get one chance. That song was yeah. big. When I made that decision to go from the finance company to, to my own practice, okay, very hard decision for me. Very hard, okay. On a career path, I passed series seven, a test they wanted me to take, and the other test they wanted me to take. So there's no more testing to do. I was on the career path. I knew the kind of money they were going to pay if I stayed there, okay. Because you know you're, you're on this conveyor belt of corporate America, and you're doing all, you're checking all the boxes and going the right way. So I knew where I was heading. 
I would have done pretty good. Okay. But that song was big. And I remember where I was driving when I heard that on the radio, one chance. I'm like, I'm taking that one chance. Eminem? You were listening to Eminem? Yes. Me too. And that song, That's my jam. And that song was on the radio. That decision was made in like 02. Okay. So 20 years ago. Okay. And I guarantee if you look right now, when did that song come out? It was right around the time. So that goes playing on the radio. And I'm like, you do, you get one chance, you know, take the opportunity. And I took that chance, took the opportunity. Best thing I did. And fast forward 20 years, it's like Quicksilver was doing great. Civil Law is doing great. And we have this real estate thing going on too, which I'm having a blast doing too at the same time. It, so I'm still doing it 20 years later because of passion. I tell people all the time, it's like, will I ever stop doing this? I don't think so. I really don't. It's like, it's fun for me. It's fun it's for me. total sense. You know, so it's like, why, you know, like if you're having fun, why would you stop doing it? I mean, it's like, it's not like work for me. And, I, and I'm so lucky because maybe yeah. we can't say that. Okay. I know that. Yeah. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know, I spoke with someone on the phone this morning coming here that doesn't like that job. Okay. I hear it every day. People don't like that job. But when you find a job you love, oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's such a great feeling. So it's fun. So will I be doing this until I'm a very old man? Most likely. Yeah. I don't see myself ever stopping doing this because there's nothing else I want to do. It's fun. I love that. Tip. Well, there's so many things in what you do. Like you had a very high paying job in finance mm-hmm. and you decided to go another route and pivot. Now I know there's people listening who are not happy where they're at right now. Oh yeah. So first, how did you come to the realization that you just hated it? And then how did you get, the, I mean, I know you have guts. What was like the turning point for you to say, I'm done. I'm, I'm moving elsewhere because having that awareness and then also being brave enough and courageous enough to make the shift. Like, again, you're going from golden handcuffs to something it totally different, yes. you know? So yeah. how did you make that transition? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are kind of like on the edge about what they want to do and, and know that their calling is this way, but are stuck where they're at. It's a very tough question because there is no one answer. There isn't. It's a lot of a uh, soul searching and journaling and it's taking the time to sit down by yourself, talk to a lot of people and see what happens and see, you know, what kind of answers you get. Like I talk to a lot of people. I love talking to people. Like when I have to make a big decision in my life, honestly, I will ask so many people their opinions. It doesn't mean I listen to every opinion. If I did, it wouldn't, wouldn't make it, but I do it as part of my research. Okay. So I ask a lot of people that like, Hey, what do you think if I leave finance and go into real estate? One guy told me, he's like, you know, Ted, he goes, you could always go back. Whoa. That was like an epiphany. Like, wow, you're right. Yeah. I could always go back. I didn't think of that. It wasn't like my thinking by asking other people, their opinions. One person gave me that advice. Good point. I could always go back. And the cool thing happened when I gave my boss notice at the finance company, he actually told me, Ted, you can always come back. You know what I'm saying? So the advice that this one guy told me, my boss actually ended up telling me that when I actually finally gave him notice, probably six months or a year later, I finally got the courage to take the, to make the leap. Talk to a lot of people, journaling. I yeah, love, let's I, get into that. You said soul searching. So I want to know yeah, what that well, means for yeah, you. I, I love journaling. Well, I told you, Tony Robbins. Business is a spiritual game. Yes. A lot of writing in a journal, like questions like, what do I want to do? Just basic questions, answering the questions in the journal. If I make this decision, what do I do? You know, making T-bars. I mean, think about all the stuff. 
this, I think just writing it out, getting the pen to paper, getting it out of your head, getting on a piece of paper, okay, and writing this stuff out, pros and the cons really helped. Like I remember being at this finance company and writing down this stuff being like, I can do real estate, I can do law, I can do rentals, I can do this. And being like, I can do this. But it was like, it all writing this all down, taking it out of my head and like, fast forward, you know, like, it's like all happening. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a big believer in that kind of stuff. I definitely am. Writing it all down, right? And asking yourself truly, what, where do you want to be and what yes. do you want to do? Yes. And asking people for advice, but don't listen to everyone's advice. Like, honestly, don't, just because someone says, don't just do it. Okay. But like, take it with a grain of salt and just hear what people tell you. Like, maybe try this, maybe try that. And see what they say, but like, it worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. I hope so. I really hope it does work for you, but it worked for me. And I was a guy that was like, I got, when I first started a job in finance, I loved it. Great paying job, career path. It was exciting. It was new. I was learning a lot. But after about, I don't know, a year and a half of being there, I lost that excitement. I wasn't happy anymore. This isn't what I want to do at all. It's not what I want to do at all. And I can tell you when I did the soul searching, the journaling, asking people and getting advice, I got to real estate. It's been a lot longer than a year and a half, and I still haven't lost the excitement for it. Okay. And I mean that. Like, it's true. Finance lasted a year and a half before I lost the excitement. This has been going on since 0203. So almost 20 years now. Okay. And it's still the same excitement I have today as it did back then. It's actually more fun now because I have more experience now. So I make better decisions now. And so, so it's more fun now. That makes any sense. So, like, I mean, like, am I going to stop doing this? Pam, I don't think so. No, I, I don't, don't think, think you I don't either. want to. So, and I say it again humbly. It's like, it's not bragging. I consider myself very, like, fortunate, lucky. Yeah. I do. Amen. Yeah. But I want this for you too. Yes. I do. Amen. Well, that's the thing is that you followed your intuition. Yes. You were mentioning, you were telling me this story, which stuck with me, where you were praying about mm. what you wanted. That story was powerful. Do you want to share that? I'll share that story. I love that. I just, this is, this is yeah, so powerful. This is a true, it's a true story. So I was, <laughs> Pam, you're funny. Because <laughs> it's so bad. It's like true. So I started getting these thoughts that, and I'm working for this company, but I started getting these thoughts that I'm going to be a real estate lawyer, okay? So I started researching what do real estate lawyers do? What's a job entail? Because I had no idea. And it was I can't let me tell the story. It's a great story. No, no, it's 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 because you're talking about intuition and the universe and like all of this. And this is like, this was your alignment. I feel like this was your confirmation moment. So I it was like Labor Day weekend. I was living in downtown Boston on Newberry Street, right in the back bay. And I spent the entire weekend trying to study for that Series 7 exam, okay, to, to become a stockbroker. So not happy. I drained an entire weekend of brain power into these books to study the series seven. It's mm -hmm. summertime. I'm a summer baby. I love summertime. Okay. It's my favorite time of year. I love being on the beach. So I was taken away from what I really love, which is my summertime to like study, not what I wanted to be doing. So I wasn't like happy with my job to say the least. So I'm driving home and yeah, I stopped by a local church in the back bay. There was no church going on, but it was a great place to sit and be quiet. I sat, I was quiet, I had my notebook, and I'm, I'm writing, what do I do? Just give me some guidance, what do I do? So I leave this church, it's Labor Day, it's a Monday night, it's hot out, all right, because it's summer. It's still summertime in Boston, and I'm going down Commonwealth Ave in the Back Bay, trying to find a parking spot. Now, if anyone knows the Back Bay of Boston, finding street parking is very difficult. No. Very difficult. You got to park in a garage somewhere. So whatever, whatever, but I'm going down, you know, 
going down Com Ave, windows are down, it's warm out, trying to find a parking spot. And this guy goes, hey, need a parking spot? Go, yeah. He goes, comes over. He hops in the back seat of my Honda Accord. Didn't ask. Hops in the back seat and goes, <laughs> take me to my car a few blocks down. When I pull out, you pull in. This is the truth. So, okay. So I'm driving down car, man. Nice guy. You know, he's telling, giving me his parking spot. So I go, so what do you do? Oh, he goes, I'm a real estate lawyer. No way. You've got to be kidding me. I'm blown away. I'm like. I was just in a church trying to like get some guidance and this and that. And he's telling me, I'll give you this talk to my boss. I can get you a job. This job's great. You'll love it. So me and the guy connected after that. He gave me his parking spot. We got to his parking spot. He pulled out. I pulled like he said he would. He wasn't a serial killer. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> he was really just a, a, a real estate lawyer just doing his thing. I had called him. I called his boss. Honestly, his boss didn't want anything to do with me. I had zero experience. I was working in a finance company. I had a law degree, yes, but I knew nothing about real estate law. His boss didn't even hire me, didn't even interview me, but it got the ball rolling. I had enough people, guidance, tell me, Ted, you're supposed to be a real estate lawyer. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And PM is right. This guy, I don't even know his name. And if you're listening to this podcast, please reach out, okay? Don't remember your name. I know you live in Peabody, Mass at the time, okay? You told me you had a jet ski and a boat. I mean, you just paid this glamorous lifestyle you had and how much you love being a real estate lawyer, that you inspired me. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? A few months later, I said, I'm going to take a week off from work from this finance company to try to find a job as a real estate lawyer. And I want to be in Davis Square, Somerville, because that's where I already owned, I think, one or two investment properties in that area there. I knew Somerville. When I was brought up, my first few years of my life until kindergarten, I was in Somerville. My grandparents were from there. My whole family was from that area there, okay? My dad had sold real estate in that city, okay? I'm like, that's where I want to be, in Somerville, Mass. But I wanted to be in Davis Square, too. I, want, I, like I was being very specific. So took a week off from work to go job hunting. I told a friend of mine, yep, I want to get a job as a real estate lawyer in Davis Square, Somerville, okay? Just nonchalant. He goes, Ted, get a job as a real estate lawyer. Don't limit yourself to one neighborhood. He goes, yeah. get the experience somewhere else. Then you can always find a job later on there. Good point. It actually made sense. Yeah. Don't limit it. It's like, I'm only going to work in this one neighborhood. It's not even a big neighborhood. Okay. He was right. Don't limit yourself to one neighborhood. So, I, you know, it's a Sunday. I start flooding the market with my resume. I'm like faxing. I'm emailing. All right. My resume out there to like these ads I see in like, law school websites, hiring lawyers, okay? but they don't tell you wh who they are. This says like, you know, yeah. seeking real estate lawyer, fax your resume, right? fax my resume. Blindly, a guy with no experience. I have a resume with finance, no real estate experience. So I'm not like candidates like, you know, in high demand, kind of no experience at all. Most people want experience, I found. Mm -hmm. You know, most ads even said like mm -hmm. minimum two years experience. I'm like, how, how do you get two years experience you know, right. if, you don't, if, you're, if you're new, entry level. Right. how do you get this? Okay. So I was like, a lot of those, like immediately say they want minimum two years experience. I'm like, how do I get this job? I couldn't get the job. So, but anyway, I started faxing email and resume out. Okay. And I got a call for, from this lawyer that was well known in Boston back then as a personal injury lawyer, but his ad said real estate. So he interviews me. The guy loves me. We hit it off at the, at the interview. Okay. Great interview. And he made me a job offer. That was double the pay of what I was making in the finance company. So I asked the guy, I said, do you do real estate? He goes, no, no, I just do personal injury. I'm like, but, I go, but your ad says real estate. 
<laughs> very slick man. He goes, oh, I put everything in my hat so the calls come in. Like, oh, okay. Like, that's what he did. You know what I mean? He wanted the phone calls coming in. Right. So, so if you refer. So just yeah. refer or people know, like, hey, if you need a lawyer, call so-and-so, okay? Yeah. Even though, again, I wasn't chasing money at all. I had done that before. I went to this investment company to chase the money, right? So I knew that wasn't right for me. So I get another call, real estate lawyer, talk to this guy on the phone. And again, I have no clue where they're located, okay? The guy calls my number. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I respond to your ad. I got your resume, blah, blah, blah. I go, so where are you located? Davis Square, Somerville. PM, I jumped through the phone. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's right where I want to be. This and then the guy's like, come in. I want to meet you. And the reason why he called me was because I put my resume from Ted Silva. And yes, I had no experience. I go, I have a passion for real estate. I told the truth. I have a passion Mm -hmm. for real estate. And I learned later on, his secretary, Deneen, told him, this guy's got a passion. You have to meet him for this stuff because they didn't want to do real estate. They didn't like real estate, okay? Mm-hmm. But they had to do it because they had a couple of files in the office. Like I said, no one's working on, but don't right. want to do real estate. He meets me. We hit it off. He makes me a job offer. He's paid me less than what I make in the finance company. I didn't care. He could have said, Ted, you pay me to work here. I would have said yes. All right, honestly. And I mean it. After a week, my buddy called me up. I already told the story. How do you like it? I'm like, I love it. I worked seven days a week. I was working Saturdays and Sundays, you know, to the point where like I'm buying my own folding tables. I'm setting up my own shop, my own business in the office. Okay. Luckily I have a good size office. All right. I'm setting it all up. And like, and I learned how to do real estate as a title company, as a lawyer from the ground up, from the ground up doing it all, which is why after only six months, I was able to go on my own. And again, I didn't go on my own to like say goodbye to my boss. I went on my own because like, he didn't want to like travel to customers. He didn't want to invest in tech. I knew we needed like a great copier because there's a lot of paper in real estate. He didn't want to buy a new copier. His fax machine was the old fax one. It was like the coil paper. And it doesn't work in real estate. You need like real paper, laser ink printers. Okay. You need that good stuff because people sign legal documents. He didn't want to spend the 500 bucks on a fax machine that I needed badly. I was like, I need a fax machine that's a laser printer one. He told me, and I'm not mentioning his name because I like the guy, but I don't want to bash him, okay? Ted, you just want to spend my money. No, I'm trying to buy a fax machine. I'm not trying to spend your money. We need, <laughs> we need this technology for real estate. It was like that kind of like differences that I was like, you know what? I got it. So first thing I did, I bought that. I mean, I had no more money coming in. I bought that $500 fax. I knew I need that $500 fax. Yeah. I got that kick butt copier that can like make those copies real because I knew I needed that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like I was like spending money on like motorcycles and boats. I was buying equipment I needed to make the business more efficient, which is why my team that worked for me now know when it comes to spending money on the office, I'll buy the best of the best because I know we need the best of the best. They tell me all the time, Ted, man, thanks so much for like, Buying us the best. Like, we got like three copies that cost the price of a car each one. Okay. But you know what? We need that. I don't want people standing there all day trying to print a copy of package. Yeah. We need the ones that cost the price of a, of a Toyota Corolla. Okay. Seriously, I'm not being redundant. Yeah. A new copy, they cost kind of, But I need that kind of stuff. Yeah. I need, I have a uh, generator, a gas generator cost me $200,000. And again, I'm saying this very, but why did I do that? Because if we get shut down because of a snowstorm, or a power outage, trees fall all the time. 
wires fall all the time. What are we going to do? Tell people, sorry, I have no power. You can't buy your house that you're trying to move into tomorrow. Or it's it's yeah. Christmas weekend. I know you want to move in. Sorry, you can't move in. I lost power. Okay. No, I can't say that. I will never say that. As a matter of fact, I think we had a storm recently, like this past fall, I think we had a storm where we lost power for one week at my building. But guess what? My massive $200,000 generator that's natural gas pumped to the street that will never run out of gas. <laughs> Pump it. We had power <laughs> the whole week. We had heat the whole week. We had computers the whole week. We didn't miss one minute of work. I always had the power going on. But why do I do that kind of stuff? Because I know you need that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? I look at it like this. I represent banks. Can you imagine going to your bank? I need to bar withdraw some money. Oh, sorry, we lost power. Call, Come back when we get power again. Can you imagine a bank saying that to you? So I can't say that to you. I can't. If you want to buy your home or you want to cash me a refinance to do whatever with that money, okay, I need to be in business and give it to you. Yeah. And that's what we do at Quicksilver, which is what my trademark is. We close anywhere at any time, guaranteed. We do yeah. close anywhere at any time, guaranteed. Even with no electricity, we will close anywhere at any time, guaranteed. Okay, I've closed, I love in, that. I've closed in snowstorms. Okay, literally, Amazing. I've closed loans. This is the truth, okay? They're in snow emergencies where they say only necessary, whatever it is, you know, whatever the word is they use. I can't think of the word right now. Um, personnel on the roads, okay? Yeah. I'm on the road with my big SUV, driving people's homes, okay? My brother Mark has had a plow on his truck. He literally would plow out people's driveways to get into their house to close the paperwork, sign the paperwork, okay? So, Anywhere, anytime. Doesn't matter on the weather. I love that. Well, like 10, like what I love that you've done, you started from a simple passion and now it's grown in 50 states. What would be your biggest tips for an entrepreneur who's looking to scale their business? Because again, you mentioned you came from humble beginnings. And so just like you, like my parents were like, don't hire anybody, mm -hmm. do it yourself. But that's the kind of burnout that you're going to get though. As an entrepreneur, you're only going to get so far. You're going to plateau until yep. you start hiring out, outsourcing and elevating, right? Let's say right. outsource, elevate, outsource, elevate them, elevate them and outsource them all the time. So how did you scale on your end? Because you mentioned the Harvard program helped you a lot, but some tips for an entrepreneur that would be interested in hearing that part. I mean, just it honestly comes down to word of mouth. So you have to do a really, really, really good job. I always say, I've always said this to my team, I can bring the business in, but you got to keep it in. Okay. We've always said it that way. So no matter how yeah. nice of a guy I am, yeah. and I can tell you know, tell them blue in the face. Oh, send me your business. Send Quicksilver your business. We'll close your loans. We'll help you buy your house. We'll help you right finance your house. Okay. I can say that all to them blue in the face. You might say, you know what? Give Ted a shot. But if my team on the inside doesn't do a good job, it's useless. They'll never use me again. And you'll tell other people they dropped the ball. Don't use them. Okay. So we have to do a fantastic job. The best job from start to finish with every single aspect of the file from start to finish. And that's how we get the repeat business. And that's why many banks have said, we want you to be our exclusive closing attorney for this bank, okay? And that's happened many times because they want to use us because we make them look good. Because at the end of the day, we're the last face yeah. that the bank will see is Quicksilver. 
Yeah. So you go to the bank for the closing. They got all the paperwork going. What do they do? They send Quicksilver to sign the paperwork. If I drop the ball, I make them look bad, okay? No second chances, okay? We have to do a great job from the yeah. beginning, okay? Which is why it's what we do. So I believe any entrepreneur, like, you just have to put your heart and soul into it, okay? And do the best job you can that when there's no pizzas coming out of the oven to be delivered, you fix those soda cans and make them perfect, okay? If you have that mentality, all right, that make everything perfect for the customer, then there's a lot of hope for you. I believe that. But if you just like don't care and do a sloppy job, then good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, it's not, that's not where I come from, okay? Like I said, but I learned it from making the, the sodas and water bottles all perfectly lined up with the labels facing out. Yeah. I took that mentality, whatever you want to call that OCD, you know what I mean? <laughs> whatever you want to call it, you know, seriously. Well, going above and beyond. Going really, above and so beyond. Yeah. Taking it, okay, to the business I have today and doing the same thing too, making it perfect. So everyone gets that white glove treatment, the red carpet treatment. So everyone feels special, like, wow, they did a great job. And then guess what happens? They tell the bank, quick over the great job. They tell the realtor, hey, that lawyer did a great job. The realtor will tell their clients, hey, I had a closing last week, Quicksilver did a great job. Use Quicksilver again. And it's word of mouth and it spreads that way. And everyone finds out. And that's how it's happened for me. And that's how I ended up going national because I didn't advertise in these other states. People were telling them, use Quicksilver, use Quicksilver, use Quicksilver. And we just got, all right, let's get licensed in those states and figure it out. Yeah. And we got licensed in those states, we figured it out, and we started doing closings in those states. And that's how we became national. So it all happened doing a great job. Yeah. And you yeah. also like started hiring the right people. Oh, started so, putting yes. the systems in place and all of that. 100%. Invest, you invested in yourself. 100%. Which was huge, right? It's to go not, get that education, to go out and learn. Because the thing is, like, when you're born with this idea or grow up in like the immigrant childhood, this like me, it was like, yeah. oh, you're going to be paying someone else's salary mm -hmm. if you hire them. Like, it's like the scarcity mindset. Yes, you know, yes. And so, like, the, there's not enough abundance to go around. Like, all this stuff. I'm like, that's something I had to work through. Yep. And it sounds like something that you worked through Definitely. as well. So not being afraid that, like, the universe has got your back. You uh -huh. bring in the right people. They'll take care of it and take you to a whole nother level, right. you know, which mm -hmm. is super cool. So it's the systems and people right. too, that are taking it where right. it is now, which is right. incredible. Yeah, but you're right for the people, though. It's like, it's not an I business. It's a we business. Like I said, like, yeah. I can bring it in. They keep it in. I've always said that, okay? So it's like, we, yeah. all of us together, work well together to make sure the business comes in. So like, which is why when I get positive feedback sent to me, to my email address, I forward to the team. Let everyone see. Thank you, everyone. Look at the feedback we got. So they can Amazing. see that all of us are doing it together. Because I know it's not just me. Ted, great job. We're very happy. Great. Thank you very much. It's my team. Hey, team, look at this email I got from everyone, okay? It's we, that. not I. I love Definitely. that. I love that. Yeah. And what would be like one of your best tips for like anyone who's looking for like a real estate lawyer out there? Like just like a consumer who's listening and could be thinking like, what's something I should know in real estate law? Like, one great of question. Things. You want a real estate lawyer that only does real estate law because we've done it long enough and we've seen it enough times where when you get a lawyer that does not specialize in real estate, they're in court for a divorce case. They're in court for a criminal cases, not available all the time. They don't understand, you know, the nuances. It's very, it's not rocket science. Okay. It's not rocket science when you do it every day. Okay. It's natural. It's what we do. So we know it's like, this is how real estate works. It's how it evolves and how you get to the closing table. Okay. But when you don't do it every day, it is rocket science because like you're trying to figure it out and it becomes very difficult. All right. So you want someone that does real estate, full real estate law, full time, 
It's all they do. And you want someone that has a team behind them to support them. Because if you don't, guess what's going to happen? If they buy themselves, like a one-man operation, and how do I know this? I used to be that one-man operation, working for the lawyer, okay? If not, they're in a closing that day, all right? And when you're in a closing, they're gone for like three hours. So what about your file for those three hours, okay? So you want someone that does it full-time, exclusively, not just full-time, exclusively just real estate law, okay? But has a team also, so that when you do call, you can get your questions answered. Because as a home buyer, you might have a question this morning, a couple hours from now, you might have another question that's going to pop up, right? Hey, do I need this? Hey, what about that? So you want someone that can respond to those questions that you have. So very important to have a team, not just a, I mean, again, nothing against solo practitioners, okay? But they have less of free time available. So we find you, know, you want a team and someone that's exclusively real estate law. I love that. Right. Do you agree? I, mean, I totally agree. You've been agree. a real estate agent, so you know. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you need somebody with, who knows. You dealt with lawyers that just don't do it exclusively in like. Well, that's the thing. And then there's also in real estate contracts, there's also very specific things that should be included in it. On the real estate attorneys, will make sure you have the riders on your purchase and sale agreements right. and like all these different things so that that way everything is all in one place, mm -hmm. if that's you right. will, which is, which is incredible. So you need that team. You need that support. And then not only that, but this guy can close, it, close anywhere, anytime. Yeah, there's <laughs> no, there's no taking a day off from work with me. <laughs> at all, literally, we work around your schedule, so it's a great. You can be at work and meet before work, after work, during the lunch break, during any break. I've done we've done so many of those. So, yeah, it, it's true because like when I first started off, I remember uh, um, you know people were taking days off from work to do closings. Okay, like and then I was like, wait a sec, I can do come to your home the night before lunch, breakfast, whatever. Okay, and yeah. do it that way. And my dad being the you know. Being the very conservative realtor that he used to be was like, no, Ted, you want everyone at the same table at the, at the registry of deeds. So I took his advice. I mean, my aunt sold the house. And again, dad, not I'm not against you, dad, but it's when I realized I'm like, things are different. They're not the way my dad used to do. My aunt was selling her house and buying a house on the same day. And I told my dad, oh, I'm going to have her give me power of attorney and I'll call her when it's done and on record. Okay. He goes, no, no. Have them go to the registry of deeds in Cambridge and meet with the people table. So we spent hours it was like hours the first closing they sold when they didn't have to be there okay i can do power of attorney okay they were there to do what sign a deed and that was it okay and then i had them wait for the other lawyer to show up so they could buy the house okay i'm like oh my goodness when that day was over i said never again i'm doing it i'm doing things that <laughs> we close anywhere anytime because it's much more time efficient and better for the customer. My poor aunt and uncle, they were probably in their 70s at the time, spent Whoa. five hours at the Registry of Deeds when they didn't have to be there for even a minute. I could have done it all and literally called them, hey, congrats, you sold. An hour later, hey, congrats, you bought, done. Because, you know, literally, it, it would have been that easy because wow. actually they bought cash. So there's no bank documents to sign. Literally, accept the deed and say thank you. That was right. it, okay? But I listened to my dad. I was a very good son. Still am a good son. Listened to my dad. Did it his way. And I'm like, can't do that anymore. So trust me, nowadays, 2022, you are not going to miss a beat unless you want to, to buy or sell your home with Quicksilver. Anywhere, anytime, guaranteed. I love it, Ted. You're such a rock star. I love you. it. Thank I you. love it. Well, this is one of my favorite questions. And it's the last question, okay. which is, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't know this question before I got here. No. 
my you didn't know older any self tell my younger self? <laughs> yeah. Pam, I don't know. Oh, boy, does everyone have an answer to this question? Somewhat. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, it could be a piece of advice. It could be business. It could be personal. It could be anything. This is going to be personal. The best thing that I do with my wife, which I love dearly, the best thing we do, we do date night once a week. And I learned that after a couple of years of marriage, someone mentioned you guys should do a date night. When you have kids, free time together is rare. So the best thing that we do for our marriage, which is the advice I'll give to anyone that's married, one night a week, date night, because my wife and I, sometimes it's just fluff. We're, we're eating a nice dinner, just talking about nothing, okay? Other times, we're like strategizing. This week, we're doing this. Next week, we're doing that. Or well, whatever it is, okay? I don't know. But but that one night a week, which just the two of us having dinner, has been honestly one of the best things for our marriage. So I think the advice I would give to my younger self would have been to do this right away. All right. I waited a few years of marriage before doing this. At least I figured it out after a few years. Okay. Someone gave me the advice about doing it once a month. And I loved it so much. I'm like, once a week. Okay. <laughs> Literally. So that's the advice I would give to my younger self and to anyone else out there that's like married or in a relationship with something they really like. Once a week, nice dinner. It doesn't have to break the bank. Literally. I'm not saying break the bank on a very expensive dinner. If you can't afford an expensive dinner, don't do an expensive dinner, okay? You go for like ramen noodles you wanted to, okay? You go for you go to McDonald's you wanted to, okay? But take the time to one night a week, the two of you, just to talk and eat something, to enjoy each other, and you'll see what comes out of it, okay? You never know what comes out of it. It's something you figure out or or plan, whatever it is that night. So that's that's my advice. I love that. Dad. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. That's an off the topic advice on marriage which i never thought i'd get married advice <laughs> <laughs> I love it. thank you I love thank it. you Pam. No, thank no. you everyone thank you ted for being here today from for one underdog story. to another right <laughs> thank you yes thank you so much i'm just so inspired by you thank and just like where you've taken things your humble beginnings to where you're scaled at now yeah. like your goal has always been your passion to help people yes. and then also real estate because not only are you a real estate lawyer but you're also invested in multifamily yes. so you've built different revenue streams and all this, this stuff which is the stuff i preach all the time right. and like build different revenue streams not just one so i'm just inspired thank by you, you Ted. thank, thank you, you so much for your thank story you. thank and you everyone like following the intuition and all of that and now you've got to let everyone know where to reach you and your awesomeness sure you're gonna start call us a quicksilver 617-666-9977 Go to our website, myquicksilva.com. Quick is Q-U-I-C-K, Silva, S like Sam, I-L-V-A, Visa and Victor. Myquicksilva.com or 617-666-9977. I love it. Thank you so Thank much you. once again, Ted. You are amazing. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is overtime, working like some underdogs. Underdogs.